0: What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold the individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson. This is Serendipity. Hey, what's going on, guys? Inky Johnson here, man. Serendipity with Inky Johnson, to be exact. But first and foremost, man, I want to say thank you guys for your support. It's been amazing, man. It's been phenomenal. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your lives, out of your day to tune in to different episodes with different guests, man. It's been It's just been mind-blowing, right? You know, we're coming up on the end of season one, right? It's been great, man. Thank you to all the guests, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal guests. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your processes, your journeys, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. The people that the world have come to know, man, I greatly appreciate it. That's why I started the platform of serendipity, right? Because oftentimes when we meet people, we think where we meet them is where they've always been. And so I'm always interested in understanding the backstory, understanding the opposition, the detours, right? The roadblocks, how we've gotten in positions that we're in and the world sees us in, right? But the guests, all of them were great, man. I just want to shout out a few. You know, my guy, Garth Brooks, man, like we kicked it off first episode. We talked grace and mercy, right? We talked how he got in the position that he's in, right? Like phenomenal country music legend, right? But he talked about grace and mercy in a way that I don't think a lot of us have thought about it, right? And the episode was phenomenal and served as a blessing to a lot of people.
1: I don't think our careers would have been what they were if we were married. And I'm not sure our marriage would have survived the 90s, you know, with as much as we'd be in different places all the time. So I think things work out for a reason. So when you go back and you go, what would you tell yourself? I'm not sure I'd tell myself or change anything if it meant that where I'm at right now would change in the least little way. Cause we're, where we're at right now, thank God is perfect.
0: That's awesome, man. That's so great. Like I always think back and as you know, Garf, a lot of people ask me all the time, like in terms of my injury and you know, it's hard for people to understand like, man, you wouldn't change that. You wouldn't do anything different. And I'm like, no, like that's the serendipity. I firmly believe it shaped and molded me into the man, the father, the husband, the servant, the leader, the friend that I've grown to be. And so with all that's going on in the world, Garth, with the pandemic, you know, with the current climate of the world, with the things that people are going through, you know, opposition, adversity, if there were some words or some insight, you know, as we come to a close that you could give to people if there's a mantra that you live by every single day, if there's something that you often think about or refer back to that gets you going when you have some of those dog days, uh, what would it be?
1: Well, first of all, before I answer that, let's, let's deal with Inky Johnson. I think if the injury had never happened to Inky Johnson, you'd still be the man you are today. The Mm. father, you'd still do all that. I think football, uh, the game of football would be at a higher level simply Mm -hmm. because what you would contribute to it at that level. So as much as I appreciate your humbleness, I think you're one of the rare ones, and there's only been a handful in in, in mankind's existence that can handle all that and still be the guy you would be. Because you can just tell when you talk to you that your blessing and curse hmm. is that you're stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're gonna be that guy no matter
0: what.
1: <laughs> what what I love about you is is the thing I never could get above was it doesn't matter who you're around. You're serving, you're serving a higher power. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of us that throw away things because the 14 people we're surrounded with never got there, and they, we kind of all want to be alike. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. You would not throw it away. You'd do it and still be like those 14 people because that's just, that's just who you are. You're strong enough to do that. Thank so when I, when I get a pulpit or get to talk to people, I think the main thing that I want to say to all of us is, is um, we do a sunrise ride once a year. Me and a, a guy named Brian Kennedy, which his nickname's Big Chuck, and a guy named Dan Roberts, which his nickname's Rodeo. And we do a sunrise ride, just us three. And we go out one morning and we watch the sun come up. And I'm sitting there. This is late 90s. I'm in the middle of these two guys on horseback and rodeo looks at me and goes garth you know the difference between grace and mercy Mm. like i said no chuck smiles it says grace is when god gives you something you don't deserve Mm. and mercy is when god doesn't give you something you do deserve Mm. that right there man if if we can't look at someone else who's just made a mistake Mm. someone else who's just embarrassed themselves and not sit there and go, shit, that could be me, or that was me last week, and not feel for them. Hmm. If we can't look at somebody that doesn't believe like we do, if you're gay, straight, religious, you know, red, blue, black, white, whatever, if you can't look at them and go, shit, they're just like me, they're scared to death, and just Hmm. trying to make the best decisions they can make for them and their family,
0: Hmm.
1: while at the whole time with the internet now doing it publicly, Hmm. if you can't find empathy for that, and you can't hesitate that second before you comment, then I would just suggest that's what you work on. Because that that little hesitation before you post or that little hesitation before your mouth works sometimes makes all the difference in not only your life, but the people you're talking
0: to. Man, I can't forget my guy, IT, Isaiah Thomas, right? Former NBA player. Incredible. And if anybody, anybody follows Isaiah Thomas, you know, you know, the thing that Isaiah Thomas speaks about a lot is slow grind, right? The process, slow grind, getting up and chasing those dreams, those goals and those aspirations. But he also spoke about, you know, the darkest, toughest, roughest moment of his life and how he got through that and how he used the platform of basketball as a vehicle to get through opposition, adversity in different tough moments in his life.
2: Basketball has always been that escape goat for me when I do go through tough times. I'm able to go to the gym, you know, get those things off my mind for the matter of time I'm at the gym working. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was able to do. I use basketball to be able to take my mind away from the toughest, you know, obstacle I had to face of not not having my little sister here no more. Mm-hmm. And also having the right people around me. To help me through that situation, you know, I still deal deal with that daily. I, that that's yeah. not going to go anywhere. But during that time, basketball was kind of the only thing that helped me, you know, get past it a little bit.
0: Right on.
2: And and I, you know, I can't thank my support system enough. I can't thank God enough. I can't thank you know everybody who just had a helping hand in that in that you know tragic situation. Um, but again. It goes back to not quitting. I know mm-hmm. my little sister wouldn't want she'd be like, man, you better play. Like, and you better go kill them boys. Like, <laughs> yeah. and that that's just what it's always been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I tried to use I try to use basketball to help me get through that, but I also really leaned on, you know, my wife first and foremost, mm-hmm. my kids, which really didn't know what was going on um three or four years ago. And then, you know, my 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 support system in my circle. And I was able to You know do some incredible things at that time but that you know that was that was all god that was all god to this day like me being able to have a positive outlook on things when knowing something close to my heart was taking you that daily but again i just i think the easy thing to do would be to you know give up and 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 bow down like i gotta find a way to keep going and yeah. that's what I always tried to figure out, no matter you know what I was going through. I had to figure out a way to keep going, not just for myself because it's bigger than me, like i said it it's for the guys you know the little the little the little kids in the inner city looking up to me that don't have no outlet you know that that don't that can't find ways to to be successful mm-hmm. like there's a way you know, and I'm trying to give that to the the people that are looking up to me because I think that's most important.
0: That's incredible, man, um, bro. I never forget, like when we watched that, you know, and how you processed that. You know, I think it inspired the world and lead me up to this point. Watching you again fight through something that's inspiring the world, like my mom just had double hip surgery, you know, and, and I watched her with that process yeah. of just trying to shake back and going through it. And I would go to rehab with her some days, and then you had hip surgery. Uh, I think last May, right, of 2020. Yeah. And you've been in the process of working through that, man, to shake back, to get back better than ever. Like, how has mm-hmm. that process been for you, Atik? IT? It's, been,
2: it's been better because, you know, I've been hurt. I, I was hurt for basically like two or three years where, you know, I was trying to figure out ways to, to, to get healthy without doing a procedure. And, you know, I, I weighed every option um i i i went every obstacle i possibly could till i had to do it and you know i think that was one of the best decisions of my life to get that done to get fixed to be finally healthy it's like gave me an open mind to life again and made basketball fun again for me not saying i took basketball for granted because i never have not one day in my life but at one point when i was fighting through my injury basketball was not fun for me anymore like it like it like, you know, growing up absolutely. because I never, ever dealt, dealt with a major injury. And I always go back to, you know, your motivational um, videos about the process. And I tell kids to this day, no matter what your process is, you can't skip it. Mm. So learn to enjoy it. like. Wow. And I had to find ways to enjoy that process of rehab six days a week, mm. 730 a.m., Every day. Like I had to find ways because if I didn't mentally, it would have cooked. Me. It would have mm-hmm. it would have it would have mentally just brought me down. And I'm in a great place mentally right now to where and, I, and ultimately is because I'm healthy. I'm finally pain free. Um, and then, like I like I keep saying, I got the right support system around me, you know. So those things allowed me not to look further than the process enjoy what i'm doing right now because i know when the time comes and i do get my opportunity i'm going to look back at these these days and be like and laugh about it mm. just because yeah. knowing like there's better days ahead and you know i'm 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 big on the process and and just not being able to skip that mm. cuz you know like you said just a minute ago people see the right now like when it's when it's when it comes to success they see when you're at the top of your success. Yep. They don't see what got you there.
0: Can't forget my guy, QB1, as I call him, One, Cam Newton. Right? Like We talked about a lot of different things, man, but the thing that stuck and penetrated my spirit the most, he just talked about wanting to be better, right? And he said, most of the time, people think when you get up every single day on the quest to try to be better, people just think that applies to athletics. He was like, no, nah, man, I want to be a better father. Right? I want to be a better son. I want to be a better friend. I just want to be a better person. And he talked about his journey, which is phenomenal. Right, And so we greatly appreciate you, Cam, QB1, for your time. Man, the episode is awesome. It's phenomenal. Served as a blessing to a lot of people.
3: Well, I'm telling you this story only off the premise that, man, you never know what somebody's going through. And something as simple as, hey, you know what, Mr. Chuck? Even though you threw your snow on mine's, Mm-hmm. What I'm gonna do? I'm about to go to Home Depot. I'm gonna clean it all. Let's 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 take off days where you do yours and I'm gonna do yours and X Y Z. That'll work out. What you got going on today, man? I got hot chocolate. There's snow out here, bro. Mm-hmm. You need some hot chocolate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's it's something where we all can be become better at, and I think it'll 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 not only helping you know cultural things,
1: mm-hmm.
3: not only helping. Um, you know, from the sexism, racism, it it just helped the human human humans as a whole. Yeah, you know, humanity. Yeah, and 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 I and here I am. I'm preaching, and here we go. Go back. I'm speaking to you, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to me. You know what I'm saying? Man. And that's that's just something that tends to happen.
0: That's good, bro. I, I hadn't seen that story. That's that's wild, bro. Man. It's a it's a it's a
3: downer but a but a real life thing. Like it's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my goodness. And then you see it and then it's like I can't believe what I just saw. I'm matter of fact, I'm gonna send it to you.
0: No doubt. And
3: and it's just like you and and when we was in the car, when we was in the car, he sent it to me, and then I'm like, "Bro, this is crazy." Hey, hey, watch out! We don't need no road, right? Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can go over. You can go over, You know, what I mean, go. Let him. Let him, go, let him in. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. It, it, no doubt. Because you do not have no idea, yeah. um, what that what what that person's going through. I and mean, I got a confession to make, man. Yeah, yeah. I um. So when I was in Boston. Mm-hmm. I would have to wake up early, early, you know, times in the morning. So my alarm clock hit at 420. I would be out the house by 430, 435, 445, something like that. On the road by five o'clock, getting to the facility around about 5 30 ish, right? Yeah. And every day, you know what I'm saying, I would, I would hit the YouTube. I would, boom. I like I need to manifest that, that, the 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 thought of you know somebody needs to talk to me, yeah. so you know you know you 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 did that project for me, yeah. uh, open mic, and you know E, yeah. you know was a person. So I just let my YouTube kind of choose it. Like boom, whoever's there, boom. I like you know, um, less miles. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know Eric uh, yourself and yeah. man, one of them. One of them, like, so I'm always riding, you know, with my assistant and then like a photographer or videographer, you know, just to kind of capture. You never know what, you know, what it, what it may be. Yeah. So they would always say, bro, we, we need ink, bro. We, need <laughs> ink. we, we, we going to X, Y, Z. And then they always say, I never cheated. I never cheated. We need that. Cause when we do that, bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. you hear know, that, they go off. They stem off of what the successful was that week. Man, we won with I never cheated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No doubt. So, no we, we rocking? We was rocking it, man. And, and I was, I was still just like, bro, like, man, you got a power ink, bro. And and it. and I gotta write down what you just said about sometimes you go through. Sometimes you go through certain things not to to what do you say?
0: Yeah, about accomplishing and becoming, but unbecoming everything that's not you. Absolutely. I'ma send that to you too.
3: Man, please do, man. I I, man, I'm trying to type it up right now, man. (laughs) Boom. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, man, it's golly, man. It's it's we have a responsibility and a due diligence, Mm -hmm. you know, as a as a human race, let alone as black men. To really, to really change the narrative or the, or the corporate. Hmm. And, you know, here I am, I'm a, I'm a father and oftentimes, you know, you're, you're, you're thrusted in this role, you know, to be something. Hmm. So to your nephew, to your son, you know, that I met and, 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 and everybody alike that I may not have known who they were, They expect
0: you to be this type of way. We talked to my guy, Jesse Itzler, the man himself, Mr. Entrepreneur, right? Some of you all may know him and his wife, co-owners of the Hawks, entrepreneurship, like too many to name in terms of brands and businesses. You know, his wife, Sarah Blakely, owner, founder of Spanx. But the thing that touched me the most about Jesse Itzler and inspires me the most, man, is just the husband and the father that he is right? Like the things that he does for his children, the thing that he does for his wife, you know, he's phenomenal, man. Ultra marathon runner, by the way, he crushes it. But if you watch some of the things that he says, right? Like I'm never too tired for my kids, right? Some of the things that he says, right? I don't want my kids to look at me as their coach. I want them to look at me as their father, their dad, right? Like phenomenal. His episode served as a blessing to a lot of people. I appreciate you just
4: the champions don't panic. Mm. They handle the lows, they handle the lows. Look how you handle the lows. You handle the lows very well. And that, that's a commonality in all the greats that I've seen. I'm not talking about me. In all the people that I've seen, they handle, they handle the lows and the challenges really well. Instead of, no, I'm not built for that. I'm not wired for that. That's too much of an obstacle. you know? And you'll see that any leader
0: that's strong man like it 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 makes me think about like i say to people a lot jesse like man have gratitude in advance right and they're like how can i be grateful for something that hasn't happened yet how can i be grateful for something i haven't encountered yet i said that's the byproduct of mindset and the disposition so when the opposition does show up when the adversity does show up if you're already thinking along the lines of gratitude it makes it a lot easier to conquer it. Not saying that the opposition will be easier, but you're already in the right state of mind to fight it. And so when you say that about waiting on it and what took you so long, it makes me think about that, man. But you, like, you inspire me on a different level, right? Like when I see you with your children, right? I see you with your wife. I see you running with your guys. Like, it's incredible. But right now you have four kids under 11, correct? Yes. Right? Like, what do you think about or what's the goal in terms of just being a father with your children right now in this phase of life? Like, with what's going on in the current climate of the world with the pandemic? Like, what's your goal as a father with your children every single day?
4: Well, I have one rule with my kids, for starters, and that's yeah. that I'm never too tired for my kids. Yeah. So I have, if I can give so much effort to my business and so much effort to training, you know, yeah. if I'm training for a race, So much effort to another project, and then my kids want to have a baseball catch, and I'm like, guys, I'm so tired, man. We'll do it tomorrow. Then my life model's not right, you know. And my kids are only going to be six years old for a year, then seven, then they eight, and then in four or five, you know, six, seven years, they're off to college. So the window's so small. So that's rule number one. But listen, man, I didn't, you know, the only only access I had to how to be a parent. They don't teach it in college. There's no courses that I, I took. You know, I had two parents that were together, still together, for 65-plus years. So I had them. Oh, then, I had, then I had the Brady Bunch and the Cosby Show.
0: <laughs>
4: that's really, like, the extent of my thing. So I'm a, work, I'm a work in progress, man. And if I missed a good episode of the Brady Bunch and the Cosby show, I guess maybe the Partridge Family.
0: That,
4: and that was my manual. That's and, so my my thing is where I am today, and it'll evolve, I'm sure, as I get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, is show them. I don't tell them. Like my kids see me going out when it's pouring rain and and putting in you know a ten mile run. They they see me not negotiating that or using that as like oh I'll do it later. I'm not gonna run today. Mm. You know the things that I want my kids to see. And I'm not perfect, man. I've make mistakes, vices. All that stuff. Absolutely. I, I want them to see. It's hard. I'm their dad, not their coach. Mm. I, they don't want to look at me as a coach. Mm. So they want to get inspired by me doing stuff, failing, sharing with them how I bounce back. Mm. You know, like when I I lived on a monastery with um for for a couple of weeks with these eight monks that had been there for fifty years, and I asked them about um. Grieving because Mm. I've never had both my parents are alive, knocked on wood, my close friends, the majority of my I haven't had a ton of tragedy in my life. I've been so lucky, man. Like ridiculous. But it's inevitable.
5: Mm.
4: It's inevitable. Absolutely. I want to be prepared. And I don't really know how to grieve, you know? Mm. Like, so I asked them about it. Like, how do you guys handle grief? You know, they're the monks, the spiritual masters. Absolutely. they gave me a lot of feedback on that. But the one thing that I thought was really interesting was it's that they were saying like how you handle grief and really tough situations is bigger than you because you could be an inspiration to other people that are grieving or going through really tough times. Mm. So there's an opportunity and almost a responsibility. Now everybody grieves differently. Mm -hmm. Everybody grieves on their own timeline, but for some, there's an opportunity to help all these other people that are going to go through, you know, think of all of those that are suffering from cancer. You know, there's an opportunity to be a shining light mm. to so many. I'm watching it right now. My, my wife's best friend's son, 18 years old, man. Insane fight for his life right now. She's unbelievable. And I keep saying to Sarah, like, I don't know if I could do what Christina's doing. Like, yeah. I've never seen a commitment to, a, to, to a, another human like this. And it's an inspiration.
1: Absolutely.
4: And she doesn't even realize what she's doing. She's trying to save her son's life. Mm. Yet hundreds of people are inspired by her dedication mm. to her son. And that's the opportunity that we get, all of us, Absolutely. when we think we're having a hardship, mm. What the, what that hidden blessing is. I mean, look at you, man. Yeah. Example number one, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you don't even, you know, but you don't realize it, you know, you don't realize it. So there's all these different lessons.
0: Our guy, Mr. Wallow 267, the man himself, man, inspiring journey, right? He talks about marketing a lot. He talks about, you know, monetizing your brand a lot, but also he talks about, you know, just his personal story, right? From prison to one of the most influential people that we've come to know in the world today. Right journey that's inspiring, second to none, and just the way he lives his life is phenomenal. The lens of which he get up every single day and he sees light through is phenomenal. It's inspiring. It's motivating. It's educating. It's empowering. Wallo, man, we greatly appreciate your time. We greatly appreciate your
6: spirit. We greatly appreciate your insight. So I always said when I get out there, I'm gonna try to give him some Black Anthony Bourdain vibes to wear. As though when I first came home, I used to go to businesses in the community. That people don't know because, as you know, you might live in the hood, mm-hmm. and 15 blocks away from them, that's not your neighborhood. So if you don't ever go that way, you might do not know is a good it's a good vegan soul food spot there or a good bookstore there. Mm-hmm. So I would be the dude to go to these spots in Philly, all over the city. Yeah, I'm wildo 267. Welcome to boom, 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 boom. They got this, they got that. You need to check. And I used to do free commercials for people oh. because one thing that I understood was this. <laughs> There's no such thing, because I I study. I always studied marketing myself. Uh, mm-hmm. George Lowe, uh, you know, I read books like George Lowe's Damn Good Advice. He the mm-hmm. dude that had, they did the story about uh, the TV show Men about the ad agency.
0: Yeah.
6: So I, I always was fascinated with commercials. So I understand certain marketing colors. I understood a lot of stuff. But one thing I knew, if, if I ain't know anything, I never forgot when I was a kid. And I used to always hear the people on TV shows or, or like like news show or whatever, they be like, all right, time to pay the bills. We gotta pay the bills. Hmm. I was talking about the ads.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
6: So I said, okay, I got something for you. I said, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take this social media and while everybody else is just doing it, I'm gonna put ads on my content. Hmm. The way I'm gonna put ads on my content is I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm gonna do these commercials for free then one day people gonna pay me to do commercials on my social. So now, as when you see that promo, you're like, oh, it's really an ad, but the way I'm doing it, I'm making it ad free because it don't feel like an ad. Yeah. So now, and then, and then now I can say, all right, no, I need this, I need that. You know what I mean? I need, you know, whatever the value of it. So it's like, now it's like, I didn't took, you didn't took, <clears throat> Social media paid to turn it into a network hmm. that's, does, 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 you know what I mean, utilizing the ad, putting the ads up against it. Yeah. See, I don't care what you do. If you could put ads up against anything, you got to, You got some serious stuff now. Hmm. And now in this world, it's easy because you don't, know, This before I was able to go to corporate America and get, and, and, you know, and be doing ad business with them, I was just dealing with main man that got the barbershop, homie with the clothing line, shorty with the the, the soul food spot. So it was like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? You, understand, you you get the understanding that you be like, okay, this is how you do that, this how you, yeah. all right bet. And now they're like, yeah, I, need I my, budget. my budget is this, I, I need you to do this, I need you to put, all right bet, this is how much I could do it for, this is it. So now I'm taking social media and putting ads up against it, yeah. Why, you know what I mean? So now maybe to, you know, do more to keep the traction, so I'm like, all right bet, now I got this, I got this big, I'm doing more stuff. Mm-hmm. so now because, damn, that's pain because you have people thinking like damn this dude just be running around he ain't got no job he ain't got nothing no bro i got a job i sell merch strategy. i got i got a, i got damn in like an ad agency you know <laughs> strategy. Know what I'm saying? So, yeah strategy i started, I started getting speaking in gigs and all so it was like bro i'm like i'm doing great that's you something. know what i mean but so it's like i think a lot of times we talking about monetization mm-hmm. we know a lot of us don't know how to monetize us yeah um, it's just about not knowing. Like it's a lot of things I just didn't know. Like Maurice, Maurice Colette, he taught me a lot about like setting up your booking email, how to get booked. You know what I mean? When they book, you know, he taught he taught me a lot of stuff. Connecting me, like he connected me with universities and all type of stuff. Like he's a dude that seen me out of nowhere and said, "I want to help you." You know what I sure. mean? I because oh, he said, "I know it's coming." I'm talking about. Bro, I was like a couple months out of prison. He just sent me an email, and now I'm messed up because I'm like, "Hold up." I just seen this boy 30 for 30 in jail. Mm-hmm. I was just, before I came home. I was in jail. I seen his 30 for 30. I was like, yo man, it's, he went through some, sh-, you know what I mean? No so it's like, and, and then, and got you understand? Not just seeing his 30 for 30. It's like, you see his 30 for 30, but it's like, mm-hmm. when he was playing football, when he was playing for Ohio, Ohio, D, Ohio State, it was like, bro, in prison, that was a big gambling. Like, Paying the ticket like he was, the, yeah. you know, you circling up on Ohio because you know they're gonna win. Yeah. When your tick gambling ticket, so it was like, like seeing this dude on the on the TV screen and in the in the day rooms in prisons. Like this dude was like, he was that guy. He was the best player in the in the, in the nation, no doubt. You know I mean? So you like now I got this dude on my line. He, I'm like, hold up, this can't be the. We get the kicking it. I'm telling you, some of the videos I've done early in my game. Like a lot of the videos I've done because most of the time you see me with these on, I'm even listening to music, I'm talking to somebody and I'll be like, hold up. And I put my stuff on the, tr- a lot of the videos I was done, I was talking to Reese on the phone. I'd be like, hold up Reese!" Mm. Early morning, I was talking yeah. to Reese. He was like, yo man, you, you. And he would always push me, be like, yo man, you got, like the reason that me and Gil started a podcast was because Maurice correct. Wow. He the one that was calling us, yo, do this. This is how you wow. get that, like, he would, that was him. He the wow. one that said, he the one that said, yo man, Y'all gotta, like, what is your, he called, I'm telling you, he used to call us like, couple times a week. Yo, hmm. man, what y'all doing? What y'all doing? Wow. Like, y'all playing games? Like, this is what you do. This is how you get, what's the name? This is how you get ad rev. Hmm. This is how you get, you know what I mean? Like, in the same, the same, same, everything we, like, he gave me the game. Like, Dude. in different departments. Like, from speaking to that, you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. you have people out there that be, that come from places you least expect. Hmm. But it's the connection that me and him have from being in that, in that, in that, that system that's just deep. You know what I mean? In doubt. You know I mean it's like it's like man, I just try to get on here every day and give somebody something. Doubt. I give you something because I wanted somebody to give me something every day when I was in prison. But I ain't, mm-hmm. you know, it, I ain't have too much to reach out to. Yeah. And it's like I, I know people like. I just be trying to hold down the people that the world forgot about. Yeah. There's a lot of people that the world forgot about because of their geographical location. They, they live in situation where everything on drugs, mental illness, the world forget about you quick. Yeah. And you'll be left out. You know what I mean? Cause like this world's moved off things these days. It's about things. Mm. And if and if you ain't got things, it'd be like they don't respect you out here, you know? No and it'd be like, like a person, character, No longer that, like material things that supersedes somebody's character these days Mm. out here in the world we living at because everything is about things. And it's like, you're measured off of things. And it's like, yo man, who is you without the things? Last but not least, man, our guy Andre Ward,
0: right? The legend in boxing, retired undefeated. Not a lot of people do that, right? And he talked to us about his journey, right? Coming up, how he got into boxing. He talked to us about some of the figures and the people in his life that served as a source of inspiration and motivation. He talked about when he was a kid coming up through the ranks and some of the things that happened that propelled him and still propels him until this day. But also he talked about him as a father, man, him as a husband, him as a family man. He talked about some of his goals, his dreams and his aspirations. Right. He talked about his toughest fight right, and what that did for him, his spirit and his mentality The episode was phenomenal.
5: That last loss, uh, like it was yesterday.
0: Mm.
5: No, John Revish, a fighter in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Mm. I was in the 14, 15 year old division and we were in opposite brackets. And the way it works, it was a it was a national tournament in in Lenexa, Kansas, called the Silver Gloves. And this was everything Mm. for my age, you know. We, we, you will get a nice, shiny belt if you won. You get these silver gloves, and, and you got bragging rights for a whole year. My boy won the silver.
0: <laughs> no doubt.
5: So we there, Inc., and, and and we got, I don't know John Revish, but I'm starting to see him, and he's knocking guys out. So I would have my fight, there's three rings. I would have my fight in ring one, then look over there at ring two, like, man, okay, that's John. You know, if he keep winning, we're going to meet each other. Boom, he'll clip a Clipper dude and knock him out. I'm like, man. Mm. I'm trying to process this and figure this out. Then the next night, I win my fight. He clips another dude. I'm like, man. But I'm not really telling my coach that I'm feeling like this. right? right? It's the first time I ever really felt intimidated. No doubt. But the kid is muscular. He a country boy, but he's a, he's a year older than me. He's 15, about to be 16, mm-hmm. and I just turned 14. So we meet in the finals. And the fight could have went either way, but I give him the nod because I did just enough to lose the fight. I just didn't trust myself and believe in myself enough, Enki, to go out there and beat John Revish. And he did believe in himself. Mm. And I remember coming back from the of Kansas, curled up in a ball on a Southwest Airlines flight. I had the whole road of myself. So and for, for whatever reason, I remember every detail. a lot of turbulence. My coach and my assistant trainer, they were in the back. I was kind of in the front. And the looks on their faces. And Mm. and the way that I felt, Inky, I I never wanted to to feel that again. And I know it's not all up to me, but I told myself that day, as much as up to me, the the training, the focus, all this stuff, I'm never going to let this happen again. Nobody's going to ever beat me again before I get in the ring. If you beat me, you're going to have to earn it.
0: Wow. That's strong. (laughs) That's strong, bro. Like, I love, I I love, like, one of the things you talk about, Dre, is like being mindful, like when I hear you speak a lot and just talk in different settings, you talk about you gotta be mindful. Like why yeah. is that so important?
5: Man, I think in life and in athletics, man, I just think it's, you know, I like detail is everything. Absolutely. You know, and I like as a as a as a person and as an athlete, I never felt like I just had this unbelievable, you know, freakish gift of speed and power and strength and, you know, ability, you know, mm. like any projects I take on, whether it's my documentary or, you know, maybe starting a podcast one day or, or trying to sell a book, like anything that I find that I have to do, I got to work hard for it to be a success. So the details matter to me. Right. And that's how I was taught. We didn't leave any stone unturned. And of course you don't do everything right, but I'm in a business, even as an amateur, it's a business. Mm -hmm. I'm in a sport Mm -hmm. where it's about inches. Mm -hmm. I, if i leave one hand down an inch or two i can get hit with a punch that can knock me out and change everything so when when you got this kind of pressure on you every single day to be right hey man get your hand up watch your footwork this stuff kind of it doesn't leave it doesn't just stay in the gym it's it you you, you kind of use that that mindset in life you know it's a saying that you know how you do some things is how you do all things Absolutely. you know and um that's just kind of how I was wired, Inc. That's just the way I was trained. That's the way I was groomed. That's the way I was developed. And it can get, you know, if it's not tame, it can get out of hand and you can, you can get too <laughs> tough vision with life, you know, so Tuck that gets me in trouble sometimes. I gotta take a step back and breathe. But when it's, when it's harnessed the right man, it can produce great results.
0: Absolutely. Like I was talking to, um, to an athlete earlier and we was talking about that, like distinguishing the mentalities and understanding the carryover. Right. How we approach our respective craft and how it applies to other areas and aspects of our life, whether it be when we're husbands, when we're fathers, whatever the case may be. Like, how do you feel, Dre, in terms of just being a boxer has impacted you as a husband and as a father every day with your approach to life?
5: Well, I think it's been a blessing, man, just my wife and kids just being able to see the journey and see the grind. You know, I've been through uh, having had a loss in the ring, but. You know, I've had losses outside the ring. You know, I've had to fight lawsuits, you know, mm-hmm. manager, promoter. I've had to, to deal with countless injuries. And, and a lot of people don't even know the gist of how bad some of those injuries are. You know, I've had to, uh, the dog days of physical therapy, you know, driving an hour to go get to my physical therapist, Lisa G in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. the phone's not mm-hmm. ringing. Nobody's calling, checking on me because I'm not making any money for, for anybody. i am got an asset right now because I'm hurting. I'm on the sidelines. My kids and my wife being able to see those times, or you know, even going through the lawsuits, and I'm like, man, I, am I doing the right thing? I'm I'm doing this on principle, but you know, the media spinning it one way. Man, am I doing the right thing? And them seeing me work through that and work through my faith and all of that stuff, I think was a benefit um, for my wife and my kids, mm-hmm. and and even just just seeing my wife, you know, just just man, she's a trooper, man. You know, my, my wife isn't the type of woman that's covering her eyes up ringside at a
0: fight.
5: She's going to pray and say, babe, you're ready. Mm. You know, I got to go back here at the house while you had training camp. Go handle your business. Yeah. And that was always a lesson for me. So I hope that my kids and my wife got something from me. But I definitely appreciate the sacrifices my wife and my kids made. Because if you think about it, you know, a training camp is about eight weeks. And typically mm. it's two or three times a year. So six months out of the year, I'm training. I'm away from them. So I feel like we kind of we needed each other, but we kind of blessed each other based on how we dealt with and responded to just the sport of boxing throughout the years.
0: Absolutely. Like I was I was reading this in Kobe's book. You know, he was just talking about like a lot of times when you see a great athlete or a person that's just great at whatever they do. A lot of people don't realize how many people play a part in that person becoming great and having family members, having friends, right? Different trainers, whatever the case may be. And so that's great, man. That you say that—that's confirmation. Uh, One of the things that I want to touch on, as well, Dre, is just that. Like, what was your toughest match? Your toughest boxing match? Your toughest fight? Like, what was your toughest one?
5: That's a that's a loaded question, you know. (laughs) That's a loaded question, because you know you know how it is in, in, in sports. It's like you know you play college football, high school no football at a high level. They're they're tough in different ways.
0: Absolutely. But
5: I would, if I had to pick one, Inc. I would probably say uh, one of my biggest moments was getting it was was fighting Edison Miranda. Okay. Now now Edison Miranda um, was a guy who still had a lot left in the tank, but you know he, he had, his better days were behind him right? But he was very dangerous. You Mm -hmm. know, guy that come from Columbia uh, hits extremely hard. He was known for putting guys' lights out. Like, that's what he was known for, His punching power. And I was at the stage where I was at this fringe contender. I was at the contender fringe champion mode stage, where it's like some people believed that maybe I was ready for the leap to jump to fight for a championship. Mm -hmm. Some said, yeah, you got to get through Edison Miranda and let's see how he does. That fight for me, man, was everything because I got to keep it real with you. When that fight was signed, mm. I had to go take a walk. <laughs> I had to go, I got to, I had to go have some self-talk No doubt. You know, because I just knew like, this is going to be a long night or a short night, depending on how I respond to this.
0: Mm. And I wouldn't
5: say that I was afraid, Inc., but, but I had my concerns for sure. No doubt. And I can remember Verge, my coach telling me, he called him. He said, Dre, the fight is done. I said, yeah, I know. I know. He said, uh, <laughs> He said, you need to make up your mind right now that no matter what he hits you with, it's not going to be enough. Mm. And I said, you know, I was just quiet. And he said, people don't realize that the gift of taking a big punch is not just physical and, and neurological. He said it's in a mindset. Wow. And he would point me to certain fighters, right? Like Aaron Pryor, when Aaron Pryor fought Alexis Arguello, right? In the 80s. Alexis Arguello was this polished You know, he was the golden child. And and Aaron Pryor was was a guy that was undefeated and was known as a brawler out of a Cincinnati ghetto. They didn't really know if Aaron Pryor had what it took to beat Alexis Arguello. But when you watch Legendary Nights, it kind of recaps that fight. Mm -hmm. You see the mindset of Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor came to the ring and he said, you know, when they did the introductions, the, the ring announcer announced Arguello as Mr. Arguello. And then he turned to me and just said, "Aaron Pryor." He said, "When he did that, I went to a different place." He said, "I took wow. shots that, night that an average man couldn't take." So that's what Verge was telling me. So he said, Dre, make up your mind now that this is this is what you're gonna do." So and throughout the course of eight weeks, I tried to condition myself, like, "Okay, man, no matter what he hit me with, it won't be enough." And this fight was so important. And this fight was so difficult because you had a guy that wasn't that was still a little bit older, but still dangerous. But 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 Inc. If I didn't perform in this fight. Mm-hmm. It was going to give my critics an opportunity to say, yeah, he was a gold medalist, but mm-hmm. I told you he was world championship material.
0: But all of the guests, man, like you guys were incredible. I greatly appreciate you dedicating your time to me, you know, on my first season of Serendipity with Inky Johnson. We're looking forward to the second season going to be fresh perspective, fresh insight, fresh new guests. And I can't wait for you guys to tune in. See you soon.
1: Peace.